Good morning, Boker Tov. It should be good morning for Klai Yisrael, for Am Yisrael. We should hear Besoros Tovos Yeshuas V'Nechamos. Please, God, the hostages should all be brought home. Our soldiers should return to their families. And we should hear about a sweeping victory in the south and the north and all around. I want to thank our incredibly generous sponsors for our Amuna Shir. Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, and in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. Also, our learning should be for a Rafua Shlema, a young girl in our community still urgently is in need of a Rafua Shlema. We daven from the bottom of our hearts. She should have a complete, speedy Rafua Shlema. Yal Shoshana Baschana Freidel. Everyone's invited, as always, to remain afterwards to please finish all of Sefer Tehillim. The more that stay, the more times we can finish all of Sefer Tehillim in just a few minutes for so many reasons that are needed. And a couple other housekeeping quick announcements. Um, our amazing Amuna cups, I actually make my first cup of coffee every day in the morning from it. And every morning, we have our morning kolo very early. And I look, caffeinate with kavana, shakal bidvaro. It reminds me, it's really wonderful. We're actually ordering more cups. So if anybody would like to buy, we're offering, you can buy sleeves of these cups, use them at your home, remind yourself and your family to make your uh, first cup of coffee, caffeinate with kavana, shahakol bidvaro. everything. Kodesh Baruch creates the world, the ambiance, everything in it, Shakol, everything is from Hashem. So if you'd like to order a sleeve or several sleeves or sponsor the cups for the shul, you can be in touch with Lee, L-E-E, at brsonline.org, and she has all the details. This Motzeh Shabbos, we're hosting Rabbi Krono, Rabbi Pesach Krono, will be back at BRS, 8.30 here in the Rand Sanctuary. All are invited. And that is just one example of the incredible programming classes, learning opportunities, BRS hosts, which is why next week, We'll be having our annual BRS Global Campaign. For those who are not members of Boca Raton Synagogue, but benefit regularly, and we know you want the opportunity to express your gratitude and to partner and to empower and to enable us to continue to teach and share and promote Torah. So we want to help you. And so we are launching our campaign next week. But if you'd like to, in advance, help us get started with momentum, brsonline.org slash global, brsonline.org slash global. Emuna emails, got a couple of emails, and uh, then we'll dive back into the text that we were learning together, back into Emuna together. Dear Rabbi, I was laid off from a job a month ago. I have a wife and a daughter, and it really hurt. I've been living in a daze, and I've been taking it quite personally. I'm a giver, not a taker. I give to my community, my wife and daughter, and I really hate taking. I've been learning Shara Bitachon, since Rosh Hashanah. And I'll say that when faced with a real Yisurin, with real challenges, there is a question and answer dialectic. I wake up with despair and questions only to have answer, only to have to answer with Emuna and Bitachon. In other words, he's revealing what all of us go through, the inner conversations we have with ourselves, where our instinct is panic, fear, anxiety, worry, and then we have to kick in the Emunah Bitachon muscle that says, relax, it's a plan, he's in charge, he's in control, surrender to him, go along for the ride. Sometimes the questions are stronger than the answers, while there are other times the answers are stronger than the question, it's an ongoing battle. And meditate on the struggles of Bracious, the ghoul of Mitzrayim, the Purim story, to quote Hanan Ben-Ari, and then he quotes a whole lyric from Hanan Ben-Ari that I'm not familiar with. I will be following up with you in a couple of days, please God, when I find a job. That's how he signs his email. Why am I sharing this email? Because first of all, someone took the trouble to write it. And I think it's very raw, and it's very real, and it's very reflective. And what do I always say? It doesn't say, 
And then as I wrote the email, I just got word, I got a job, and it's a better job than the last job, and it pays more than the last job, and it's so, the best thing in the world, I got fired. because He says, I don't have a job. I don't know how I'm paying the bills. I don't, I don't know why right now I have to be a taker. I like to be a giver. I'll be in touch soon. Hopefully I'll have better news. But that's still Amun Ambitachon. Amun Ambitachon is not only when it all worked out amazingly well, when it all worked out right, of which we have those stories, of which we have those stories too. Here's one from my brother-in-law. Went to Israel during Yeshiva week, father-son mission. And there was an amazing story. He, he went Motzei Shabbos through New York. He likes adventures. So he went Motzei Shabbos through New York. And to make that connection, Shabbos did not end early here, and yet to make the connection to get out of New York, his flight was delayed. And he had to you know, pull an OJ through the airport and run. So, anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He had to run, thank you, okay. He didn't, mur- he didn't murder like an ex-wife in the airport. I'm just saying he had to run through the airport. I'm not saying he did it. I'm just saying I'm not sure he didn't do it. But that's not the point right now. Anyway, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. I'm not, that's not the point right now. The point is he had to run through the airport and, um, and he was delayed and panicked. Will he make it and not make it? And what and why? Why Hashem? You know, he's going for a good thing to Israel to volunteer, to support, to help. Father, son, mission. Why? Why the delay? Why the, why the frustration? Why the panic? And then on the second leg of his flight, uh, sorry, then on that flight, he met someone he knows. So-and-so and her husband were in Boca on vacation. We're coming back for a funeral in Hewlett Sunday. Their sister-in-law's father passed away. They got the news after Shabbos. They didn't see any flights they could take except the 815 Delta from Palm Beach. But it was already after 7. They wouldn't make it. I said, maybe if it gets delayed, we can make it. So they check again, and sure enough, it's now a 9.30 departure. They hustle to the airport. Hashem has all the cheshbonos and calculates everything. 9.30 was enough time for them to make it so they get to the funeral, and enough time for me and my son to make our LL connection. They made it to Israel. So sometimes, yeah, the luggage didn't. But sometimes, sometimes we get the, but it wasn't anyway going to make it. Sometimes we get the answer in real time. Sometimes there's the amazing ending. We were delayed. I didn't know why. It's because they made it to the funeral. They made it to the funeral. We made it to Israel, and all ends well. And other times... We don't have the new job yet, or we didn't meet the shidduch yet, or we didn't get pregnant with the baby yet, and we don't have the happy, we don't have the ending, we don't know the way the story ends. That's real amuna. that's real bitachon. That's real bitachon. If you don't know by now, I'm frustrated by those who try to inspire and build bitachon only with the stories where everything works out. And the reason that I get frustrated by that is because then if the story doesn't work out for you, I have no bitachon and no amuna. It didn't have that ending, it didn't work out. So therefore, I guess he doesn't love me. I guess there's no God. I guess there wasn't a plan. So our, our emuna and bitachon is not because, it's not transactional. It's not transactional. It's not conditional. It's not, if I believe in him, then it'll work out the way I want. We learned way back when, before most of you ever heard of me or living with emuna, we learned the chazanisha's emuna bitachon. One of the first things we, we learned way back when, before we had caffeinate with kavana cups, we learn the Chazanish Amun Abitachon. And there the Chazanish defines, you know what Amun Abitachon are? People think, you know what Bitachon is? Bitachon is, I have faith, Hashem is going to make it work out the way I want. I have faith. I have faith it's going to come through. I have faith the person's going to get better. I have faith the Shidduch's going to work out. I have faith I'll get the job. I have faith, my, I have faith the way it's going to work out the way I want. And the Chazanish writes, that's not Amunah, that's not Bitachon. That's not faith in God, that's faith in yourself. You think... Here are all the initiatives and steps I take for the outcome I want. And one of them is faith in God, and I can check it off. 
I went to the doctor, I work out at the gym, I dieted, I did the job interview, I, whatever initiative, whatever arena, whatever area of life, and, and I'm gonna be talking just another checkbox. And if I do it, then I'm still in charge and I'm still in control because as long as I checked all the box, I get the result I want. That's not Amun Abitachon, that's not surrender, submitting, that's not faith in God, that's faith in your interpretation of the world and what you want to have happen and what you think is best for you and that's not faith. Faith is Hashem, and this is the ongoing conversation. Hashem, from my limited, finite, mere mortal perspective, I think this job would be really great for me. From my mere mortal, finite perspective, I think the shidduch would be great. I hope it works out. From my mere mortal finite perspective, I think this outcome I desire and want so badly is what's best for me. But if you disagree, let's go with your, your decision. Because you're omnipotent, you're infinite, you're all-knowing, you're all-powerful, you are the source of all of existence, and everything you do is for my best. It doesn't mean it's not painful. It could be painful, but painful is different than bad. Painful things happen to good people, Bad things don't happen to good people because all that God does is good. Sometimes we know the good. This is why I got delayed so they can make the funeral. And sometimes we don't know why it was good and all we experience is the pain of it. But it's never bad because it's all from God and it's all by definition good. It could be painful, but it's never bad. But real Amunah Bitachon says the Chazanish, the definition of Bitachon is Hashem. Here's the way I hope and want and will work for it to work out. And if it doesn't, I know whatever happened is from you, is not random, is not chances for the best. We're now in the month of Adar. There are two Adars. You can go through each week and day and month of the year and think you're, you're gonna be in a wrestling match with God. Who's in charge? Who's in control? Who's right? Who sees the world the way it should be? And you're just wrestling with God. You just want a different outcome. You just want a different result. You just want credit and you want responsibility and you want the glory or the blame. You're just in a wrestling match, or you can let go and let God. Mishanich Nesadar doesn't mean when you enter the month of Adar. It means when Adar enters you. Mishanich Adar. When Adar enters into us, Adar is Alef Dar, the Aluf, the one and only, the Almighty, the Hashem Echad, the Aleph, the one Dar. He has a Dira Betachtonim. He has a dwelling place down here on earth. It means that everything that happens, everything that happens, everything that happens is from above. Everything that happens is from above. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Someone was telling a story and said, you know, the difference of life or death can sometimes be your shoelace. He was telling a story. His shoelace became untied, took one second more in his house to tie his shoe, which meant he left the house a second later, which meant he missed that intersection by a second, which meant he missed that accident that he could have been T-boned, a direct collision that could have cost his life. We don't know. All day long, whether the shoelace became untied, stayed tied, the red light, the green light, the delay, the on time, all the different variables of our lives from when we wake up in the morning until we fall asleep at night, to have a munabitachon is to realize it's all, none of it's random or chance. That's the voice of Amalek. All of Adar were fighting Amalek. Haman was Amalek. The story of Purim is Amalek. The attempted extermination of the Jews of Shushan was from Haman, was from Amalek. Amalek, the original Amalek, is Asher Karcha Baderach. Karcha is Mikra. Mikra means chance. Happenstance. So when you go through life and you say, it's just it was a chance encounter. It was a chance that I tied my shoelace. So the it was chance that we missed the flight. It was it's all random and chance and happenstance. And it just happened to be. Coincidences. That's the voice of Amalek. And we're fighting that voice of Amalek inside ourselves. Zachor, Amalek. Don't ever forget what Amalek does to us when they attack us. 
with the pernicious attack of chance, happenstance, randomness. We're victims of randomness. You know what randomness leads to? Hopelessness and helplessness. I don't know how the people who go through life thinking everything's random. You know, there's just... I'm not saying it's easy. But Khalila, God forbid, someone's diagnosed with an illness. Because you say, well, statistically, this number of people will get this illness. And I guess it's just a random, unlucky chance. I'm the lucky winner, or someone I love was the lucky winner and got that illness. And it's just random, and it's just chance, and it's just data, and it's just statistics. I don't know, that's the most depressing thought in the entire world to me. And the other thought that says, I don't understand it, I reject it, I protest it, I beg, I plead, I daven, I take every initiative under the sun to stop it, to fight it, to overcome it. But in the end of the day, nothing is random. And one day maybe we'll understand the reason, but there is nothing that's random. Now there's meaning, now there's purpose, now there's, there's hope because there's something that's beyond the here and now. And there's a, a meaning and a purpose to whatever that pain because it was part of a bigger plan. If it's just random and chance and happenstance, there was no plan, it just happened to you. So how do you live? How do you go on living? How do you find hope and resilience and perseverance and tenacity? And when you say everything is part of a bigger plan, and sometimes we'll see it and sometimes we know won't, but it's all for a purpose. So now I have the hope and the strength and the resilience to overcome and to persevere. And that's a message our children desperately, desperately, desperately need. Resilience. Resilience. This world is throwing at them and us things we never dreamt of or anticipated, could have never predicted. And, and it's going to be survival of those who have resilience, those who have resolve, those who have strength. And where do we get our resilience and our strength from? Where does it come from? It comes from Amunah Bitachon. It comes from the, the calmness and the serenity and the tranquility and the inner peace of Hishtavus. Of equanimity. You know, life has moments of joy. If, if we're making a simcha, we're going to sing and dance and be happy and smile. If we get great news, we're going to be elated. It's filled with simcha. And if there's loss, we're going to sit, we're going to cry, we're going to grieve, and we're going to be sad. But even while experiencing that range, still there's a equanimity, a hishtavas, because shivis is all from Hashem. The simcha is from Hashem. And kishem shemavarcha al hatov, the Gemara tells us, the Mishnah tells us that the same energy and the same attitude and the same that we brought to say, ah, oh, the Simcha, thank you, Hashem, a million times, thank you, we're so grateful, Hashem, you know, Hashem, and thank you, and at the Yofraf, and at the Sheva Brachas, and at the Vord, and at the Lachayim, Hashem, Hashem Kitov, thank you, Hashem, thank you, Hashem, thank you, Hashem. Nobody ever gets up at a funeral and says, Hodul Hashem Kitov, Kili Yolam Chasta. Nobody ever gets up, uh, walks out of the doctor's office with a diagnosis. But that's what Chazal, what our rabbis are telling us is, yes, the, the behind the tears and behind the smiles is the same equanimity. There's an inner peace, the inner peace of knowing it's not random, it's not chance. It's not random and chance that I've been zocha, that I have the merit and the privilege to have this nachas, to have this simcha. Not everybody does. Many are waiting and longing. And when we get it, it wasn't random and it wasn't chance. And you have to thank Hashem only through His graciousness and equally and opposite on the other side. So Amalek's that voice that just says, eh, it's random, it's chance. It's chance you found that parking spot. It's chance your child find their basher. It's chance that, God forbid, that illness, that diagnosis came. That's the voice of Amalek. It is depressing. It is hopeless. 
it, it, is a, it, it just empties us of any energy or resilience. It's deflating, it's depleting. That's Amalek, they attack, they attack. That voice, it's attacking us. Random chance, happenstance, statistics, data. It's attacking us, it's attacking us. And that's why Zachor, we have to remember, never forget what it can do to us, how it can drain and deplete and debilitate and paralyze and compromise and corrupt relationships, confidence, faith, energy, strength, will. It's attacking us, it's attacking. But when you live with faith, when we let go and let God, when we surrender to Him, when we say nothing is chance and everything is from you, the happy moments, the sad moments, but there's an equanimity, hishtavos, hishtavos. It's all the same to me. Moshe Gersh's book, which really captures hishtavos, which is an ancient concept, long precedes the Baal Shem Tov, goes back to David HaMelech and earlier. This notion that my highs and my lows, my happiness and my sadness, they're real. We're meant to feel those emotions. Kishem Shem Avarchan the same way that we say doesn't mean don't feel sad. We, we, the whole nihuge avelus, sitting shiva is sad. Sad, lean into the sadness, cry. But it means that behind the tears is not the hopelessness of its chance and random and amalek, it's that everything. I'm living a life of equanimity. I just, I don't get bent out of shape. There's not the drama of the rise and the fall. The panic, the fear, the drama, the anxiousness, the, and then, we're able to not live a spiritually bipolar life. We're not living a spiritual multiple personality life. There's not the drama of the highs and the lows. There's an equanimity, a calm. I'm calm while I'm crying because crying is a human emotion of grief and sadness that's appropriate, that's reasonable, that's right, that's an expression of loss, that's correct. Rambam says to not grieve is cruel. It's cruel. I'm not cruel. I feel. But behind the tears, there's a calm. There's the calm of... This was all part of a plan. It's painful. It hurts. It hurts so badly. But there's a plan. There's a plan. And similarly with the happiness and with the joy and with the highs, I'm going to sing and dance and smile and be happy and joyful and elated. But there's an equanimity. Behind it is also not. There's, it's all from Hashem. It's all from Hashem. That's real bitachon, says the Chazanish. The real bitachon is the statement, not that I'm confident Hashem will make it turn out the way I want. That's faith in yourself, not faith in God. Faith in God is, however it turns out, I know it's from Him. Here's how I hope it turns out. Here's how I'll be working for it to turn out. Here's how I want it to turn out. But however it turns out, I know it's from Him. That's faith. That's faith. So the emails that come in that say, huh, it turned out the way I wanted it. You see, he's amazing. I love him. He's great. That's not bitachon. That's just, it turned out the way you want. That's easy bitachon. That's easy bitachon. The bitachon that says, I don't yet know how it's going to turn out, but I know and I trust it's all from him. Or it turned out not the way I wanted and not the way I hoped. A very powerful email to share with you next week. Very painful, powerful email of an incredible demonstration of it didn't turn out the way I wanted, the way we wanted, and yet somehow I still know that it's all from him. That's amuna. That's bitachon. And if our amunah and bitachon is predicated and built on, it will turn out the way I want, we're setting ourselves up for a disaster and a failure and a meltdown. But if all along what we're working on, the amunah muscle that we're building, the shara bitachon that we're learning, the gate of bitachon that we're building within us, is preparing us for when, God forbid, it won't turn out exactly the way we want, we say, it's no problem, hishtavos, equanimity. I'm still calm. You know why? 
I never felt entitled for it to turn out the way I want. I never expected it would all always go the way I want. I know that there is a bigger purpose and a bigger plan and there's something more. One more email. Boy, do I have a story for Rabbi Goldberg. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Subject line, Yad Hashem. I was at Target doing a return before picking up my new glasses. They messed up on a return and could not do an exchange on a return. So the lady said, here, miss, here's a $15 gift card. I felt bad because that was worth more than the return. But she was happy to make the customer happy for the mistake. And let's assume for the moment she was empowered to do that. I go to pick up my new glasses at Target Optical, and after my insurance, my copay was exactly $15, the exact amount I was just gifted. What does one do with glasses? They see, because I literally see Yad Hashem and everything. Hashem gave me these glasses for free. Because I see Hashem and everything. Hashem gave me the glasses for free to see Him. So again, you could walk out. You know what Amalek says in Target? First of all, Amalek says in Target, keep buying things that you can't afford and go into debt. And that looks so good and you don't need it, but you should have it. You deserve it. That's Amalek all over Target, but that's whatever. That's a different Amalek. But you know what Amalek says in Target? Amalek says in Target that, what a coincidence. Ha! $15 gift card, $15 cup. What a coinky dink. What a coincidence. Isn't life filled with coincidence? That's Amalek. And you know what the Balbi Tachon says? The author of this email, she says, she says, I'm putting on my new glasses. I see Hashem everywhere. It wasn't a coincidence. Hashem gave me the glasses for free. $15, $15. Hashem gave it to me. We can see it all around us. We see it for free. And that's our mission and our mandate. Go defeat Amalek. Amalek's in us. Yeah, was never fully defeated. He's still fighting in each and every one of us. That voice, that voice of Amalek. What Rav Hutner describes, the Koach HaChilul. Rav Hutner writes that there are two voices. Koach HaHilul and Koach HaChilul. What's the difference between Chilul and Hilul? Koach HaChilul is like Chulun. Chulun. Chulun is secular, profane, mundane. Nothing is impressive. Nothing is awesome. Nothing is wow. Nothing is the hand of Hashem. It's all just, yeah, that's nature. That's coincidence. That's statistics. That's Koach HaChilul. Everything is a big fat eh. Eh is a new word. The next generation. So isn't that amazing? Eh. What'd you think of dinner? Eh. What'd you think of the concert? Eh. What'd you think of the rabbi? Big eh. <laughs> Disappointment. I heard so many great things about him. What an eh. Eh. I, we never had that in our, that was not part of our vocabulary. When I was growing up, we didn't have that in our vocabulary. I certainly didn't hear it from my parents or grandparents. Anything with E-H. Eh. I think that's how you spell eh. All the time. Oh, what'd you think of the new? Eh. Eh. It's okay. It's okay. You know how hard it is to impress young people? Nothing impresses them. Did you hear about the mirror and the rescue and that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. That's Koach HaChil, that's the voice of a Amalek. You know what, you know what Kla Yisrael say, Am Yisrael say? Koach HaHilol, Hilol is Halel, is wow, that's amazing. Hold on, I gotta sit down. Tell me again what happened, they rescued, they went in, covert, they practiced all sides. Nobody was injured. Nobody was harmed. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was... Tell me, wow, Hashem is amazing. The soldiers are amazing. The courage is amazing. Hostages are... Hashem is amazing. That's... Hashem is amazing. He's awesome. But like the real word awesome. Awesome. Awe-inspiring. Awesome. 
Amalek koach achilol. Eh. It's okay. Yeah. It's all right. Whatever. Whatever. That's Amalek. Klai Yisrael or koach Amazing. Amazing. Hashem is awesome. Did you see that view? Did you see that sunset? Did you, did you hear what happened? I was delayed it so someone could get to a funeral. Yeah, okay. Uh. Versus, wow, that's amazing. Hashem orchestrates everything. It's amazing. So which one will win? Which voice is going to play in our head? Which voice do we mute in silence? And which one do we turn up the volume on? The koach hachilo, the eh, it's okay, yeah. Or the koach hachilo, wow, it's awesome. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's all up to us. Back to where we were last week. Last week we were interrupting our general learning. We've been learning Rav Chaim Shmulevitz on the Yom Kippur War, the Sichos that he gave in the Mir Yeshiva. We interrupted that to learn Rav Meyer Morgenstern on Shovavim, the purpose of Shovavim. Last week we spoke about Shmir Sabris, the covenant, the bris, the promise we made with ourselves to let the light shine through, to peel back the coverings, the layers, the shells, the klipa that's covering it. Anyone remember what? What I'm talking about last week? Okay, good. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. And we didn't finish last week. And we spoke about every one of us is in our own personal Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is the place of Metzar Yam. The Yama Chachma, that sea of wisdom, the knowledge that we have, the light, the access, the revelation, the knowledge that we live with, that we're in a world where everything's carefully curated, choreographed, the Kosh Baruch is in charge. We get blinded. Metzar, there's, there are boundaries. There's a siege around that world, that knowledge. And Metzar, Mitzrayim, is, is a world of constriction. The world is closing in, it's caving in. The roof is falling down. That we, we can feel that way. We can feel that way. There's a Mitzrayim, and we're looking to be liberated and freed and emancipated and saved from our own personal Mitzrayim. You ever have that? Your blood pressure is going up, and, and you can't breathe. You can't breathe. Because it just feels like it's all, it's all, it's overwhelming. It's all overwhelming. It's all just, it's all just, the list of emails, the list of phone calls, what you have to prepare, what you have to do, and coming from this side and coming from that side. You have to take care of your parents, you have to take care of your children. It's all just Mitzrayim. It's all just closing in, caving in on all sides. It's coming in. It's coming in. And you say to yourself, what's going to be? What's going to be? What's going to be? How am I, what's going to be? What's the way out? How do I get out? It's, a, it's all just closing in and caving in. That's our own personal Mitzrayim. We're on the left side, page Samach Bey, 62, in the middle of the page. So when we can't breathe, and when our blood pressure is going up, and when our sweat glands are pumping, and when we feel hyperventilating physically and spiritually, and it's all closing in and caving in, and the sky is falling, and what's going to be, and how are we going to get out? And we're not looking with clarity. We're not seeing the light. We're not peeling back the layers to let the light of Hashem shine through. Because we're living some superficial surface life that anything we can't see with our eyes, we don't think is real. Seeing is believing, we say to ourselves. And if I can't see it and I can't measure it, if I can't take a picture of it and post it, then it didn't happen. Then it didn't happen. Yesterday we spoke in the Parsha Shir about pictures at weddings. The Ramban says that the building of the Mishkan was the continuity of Harsinai. And Rav Shmuel Berenbaum says the same way that you have a videographer and a photographer at a wedding because you want to revisit it. You want to relive it. You want to be back there at it. So, so too. I said, you know, it's, it's amazing. Nobody, I said to the Pasha, nobody doesn't have pictures at their wedding. Some have a huge crew. Some have a one person. Who doesn't? So someone stopped me this morning. A vision to Chassan. Apparently the vision to Rebbe Munz said he'll only come to a wedding if there's no photographer. He made six weddings, his children, no photographer. 
No picture. You just have the experience without, without. Someone sent me last night a video. Um, Akiva Turjaman, the great singer, his his unit, his gadud was mishukhrar, was was free. They're done with the army. They're sent home. They're done. There's a big concert for the soldiers. Akiva and Yishai Riba was beautiful. So someone sent me videos from it, and and I showed you Chavit in the video. Everybody's holding up their phone, taking a video. So I was like, they're singing to an empty room. There's no one actually there. I'm guilty of this too. I'm, I'm making fun of myself. When you're at that thing, you're like, I got to get a video of this. That concert, that moment. So they were actually singing to an empty room because nobody was experiencing it. Nobody was present. Everyone was just, they should have just, one person, you take the video, send it to all of us. And let the rest of us just experience it. Just be there. Just be there. So we take a picture, we want to go back, we want to relive, we want to be able to... So we think seeing is believing. If I could take a picture and post it, if I could put it on my status, it happened. If I can't put it on my status, I don't have a picture of it, it never happened. That's what we think. But says Ravitch Meyer, we're wrong, because there's a panemius. It's not just superficial and surface, it's not just the things you could take a picture. The most real things don't come up in a picture. The most real things do not appear on a status. That moment, that feeling, that experience, that memory, that emotion, that doesn't come, you can't, you can't take a picture of that. That doesn't come up in a picture, AI, can't do anything with that. That's the most real, the panemius, the deep, deep truth. And when a person falls prey to the shell, to the layers, to the covering, to the peel, and you think that there's a truth, there's, there's actual nature, there's something called disease and nature and statistics and data and happenstance and randomness and chance. When we live in this world, when we confuse the matrix for reality, the matrix that we're living in, and we confuse that this matrix, which is an illusion, it's really all a big optical illusion, but the optical illusion of the matrix is so good that we think it's real. So statistics and nature and physical material things, it's so, the illusion is amazing. You ever look through one of those optical illusion books? You're like, wow, really? That's just the drawing, it's not really the 3D. And you're like blown away. A hologram, that's not real? You go grab to touch, reach to touch it and it's not, it's so real, it looks so real, wow. So to this world, it looks so real that we confuse the illusion of the matrix of this world with a reality, but it's not real. What's real, there is only one real. It's all only part of the imagination of Hashem. We are images within the ongoing imagination of Hashem. That's the only thing that's real. That's the only thing that's real. And when we're locked into the matrix and we think that the illusion, we confuse the illusion with what's real, then we are giving into the klipos. So what happens in Mitzrayim? When you're living in that place that you think that, but what do you mean Hashem has a plan? What do you mean look at the panemius? What do you mean let go and let God? What do you mean submit and surrender? What do you mean have hishtavas, have a calm and an inner tranquility and an equanimity? What do you mean? But, 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 but the bills are coming in, but the lab report's coming in, but the child with the issues, but the shalom bias problems, but the war, but what happened in Tzfas, but Lebanon now, what's gonna be, what, what do you mean? Ah, what do you mean? That's the voice of Klipos, that's the voice of Amalek. With all of it, there's a hishtav. Say my tehillim, do my davening, take my mission to Israel. I've got to be healthy. I have to live healthy. I have to work on shalom bias. I have to work on... I have to do all my initiative, but underneath all... There's a calm. There's a calm. 
The greatest people I've ever met, and I've been Zocha, to meet great people, there's a calm to them. There's a calm to them. Big Rabbonim, big Tzidkanios, big men, big women, people of greatness, of great emuna. there's a calm. There's a calm to them. And so sometimes you think, of course there's a calm to them. The whole world loves them. They're the biggest influencers. Everybody's throwing money at them. Everybody's lining up to go meet with them. Of course there's a calm. Everything's easy and good for them, right? And then you learn about their lives. You know how many ailments and illnesses and disappointments and frustrations and yusurin they live with? Big people. Big Rosh Hashiva recently here. Children with special needs. Shaduchim challenges because of that, despite being an enormous Rosh Hashiva. There's big problems. And yet, when you meet with them, it's a calm. Why? Because the more that you live with him, the more you surrender to him, the more it empowers whatever we're going through. There's just a calm. There's an equanimity. There's a hishtavas. We don't indulge the klipos. The klipos are, what do you mean? That child or that issue, that challenge, that test, that problem, that, that bill, that, what do you mean? Those are all the voice of those klipos. And they're meshabedos. Just like Mitzrayim, we couldn't even hear. Why? We couldn't hear the voice of Moshe. We couldn't hear the sound of our own liberation. Why? Because we were drowning in the avodakasha. And so to us, when we were in a place of Mitzrayim, that the world, that everything's caving in on us, because we're, we're confusing the illusion of the matrix with the reality that is all Hashem, then also we hyperventilate. We panic. We... we we have a kotzer ruach and an avodakasha. V'gam ma'amisim alav ishtad l'siseir b'nyanei teva. V'gam b'balbalim as daito shloyagish as aruchnius. What happens? We overcompensate. We do too much initiative. Too much initiative. There's such a thing as too much initiative, which could also be a lack of faith. Too much initiative, because we're not hearing. Turn the page. Until we forget. Our essence, our tachlis. And the purpose for which we came to this world. You know why we're here? We're here to know He exists. We're here to take the pill that will make us see the reality and not the matrix, the illusion. That's why we're here. That's why He deposited us in this world. He said, I'm putting you in this world and now we're going to play hide and seek. And I'll see you later. And you're the winner if you find me. I'm depositing you in this world, and it's tough. I'm really good at hiding, says Hashem. I'm really good at hiding. When there's a war and there are hostages, when there are rockets, and an innocent person is killed in the holy city of Tzvah, I'm, I'm really good at hiding. I'm really good at hiding. And there'll be periods in your life where you find me easily, and periods in your life where you can't find me anywhere, where I'm hiding. And here's how you become a winner when you look for me and when you find me. And that's your tachlis. That's your tachlis. I'm going to put you in a world of temptation with food and drink, a world of temptation of intimacy and physical connection. I'm going to put you in a world that you have to work and earn. I'm going to put you in a world of time. I'm going to put you in a world of confusion. And you know what? You've got to navigate it all and find me behind it all and in it all. And now go and seek. I'm hiding. Seek. Go. Start. That's the matara. That's the tachlis. That's the essence and the purpose. V'zeu atzmo pegam habris. When people act out in inappropriate ways, when they looked at inappropriate images and act out in inappropriate ways, 
It is in fact, and psychologists research will tell you this, there is a longing for connection. It is an inappropriate application of a longing for connection. But inside that grossly inappropriate expression of the inner desire for a longing for connection is the nitzutz, is the spark of kedusha that is a longing for connection. And the degree to which a person indulges and acts out in inappropriate ways, looking at and acting out in inappropriate ways, it becomes a barrier and an obstacle to genuine connections, to what are the real connections, to what are the most appropriate connections with others, and most of all with Hashem Yisbarach. With Hashem Yisbarach. It can be an inappropriate connection to food or alcohol or drugs. It can be an inappropriate connection to, to shopping, or working, or even exercise. I was praising someone the other day. You know, they, they look fantastic, and they're working out, and they're exercising, and they were telling me, but like it's gotten to a point that it's a problem. So what do you mean? He said, I'm addicted. I need my couple hours a day, and I'm neglecting my family and other things. So it, of all the addictions, whatever, but it, it can also, even exercise can become an addiction. So when we have a connection to something that in the core, in the root, the, the seed, is, is good, there's a nitzah, it's a spark of kedusha, but the expression, the manifestation of it, the application of it is inappropriate. It becomes a barrier and a block and an obstacle, a klipa, a shell, a peel that is covering the light of what is that in, inner connection that should be what is connecting us to Hashem. There's a very deep ideas and there's a lot more to say about them, but let's finish this piece. Kodesh Baruch Hu takes us in whatever direction, down whatever path we reveal and we reflect, we really want to be able to go. So, and then it becomes a, a pattern and a habit and a vicious cycle. And we become sucked into that place because there is a counterfeit connection there. And that counterfeit connection draws us in to do it over and over. And the deeper we get into it, and the more of that counterfeit connection that we have, the harder it is to break away to go have the authentic connection that our soul is really yearning. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, I'm sorry. There are many different layers and many different levels of this. So, when we are enslaved to whatever addiction we have, for some, it's going to Starbucks even though you can't afford it, mani-pedi even though you can't afford it, shopping beyond our means, going into deep debt because we are addicted to the latest fashion and style and lifestyle and behavior and I have to have the latest tequila and the single malt and I have to have the latest uh, bottle of wine, whatever the indulgence. Whatever the indulgence, addiction is not only the substances that have a stigma to them, there are other addictions that are unhealthy. And when we're drawn into that addiction, we are enslaved to it. We are enslaved to it. Usually I share this around Pesach time. This is what I think about in the month of Nisan, going into Pesach, sitting at that Seder. Because otherwise you say, we have freedom. We live in great America, the democracy of America. How do we connect to slaves, slavery? And the answer is, open up on your phone, your report on your screen time and tell me whether you're a slave or a free person. Show me your Amazon account and let's decide whether you're a slave or a free person. Let's look at your use of social media and let's see whether you're a slave or a free person. 
Let's look at your credit card statement and how many times you went to get your triple latte, caramel, upside down, macchiato, whatever, whatever, whatever. And let's see whether you're a slave or a free person. Slavery is not just in handcuffs or bondage and in Egypt. Slavery is when there is a pattern of behavior that we compulsively turn to and we can't stop ourselves or break free of it, we are enslaved. That's our Mitzrayim. That's our Mitzrayim. Because we think that there's a connection. We think that there's a pleasure. We think that there's something real or true in it. And we, that's our Mitzrayim. That's our Shibud. And what we're trying to do and break free of in Shovavim, Shmos ve'era bo b'shalach Yisro mishpatim, Truma tetzava, so we're still in it, Truma, two more weeks of it. In this period of Shovavim, we're, we're getting out of our Mitzrayim. We're looking for genuine, real, authentic connections, and we're not going to be satisfied with the counterfeit ones. We're not going to live any longer with layers and covers concealing the light that is our neshama and that is Hashem expressing Himself in us and through us and to us in this world. And now we are working on Shmiras Habris. We're going back to that promise of that covenant, the promise that we have to Him and to ourselves, the promise of being our best selves and on our best behavior. So why did Hashem do the Makos? Ten plagues in Egypt. Ten plagues and a splitting of a sea. You know why? You know what the best way to defeat the illusion is to knock it down. So, ah, this piece of paper, the thing looks real because it's an optical illusion. If you tear it up, now in pieces, what happened to your optical illusion? I guess it wasn't real. Hashem's Makos were tearing up the optical illusion. There's an optical illusion called Mitzrayim it has a Nile. You think the Nile is irrigating and sustaining and feeding you. It's a place of idolatry. You think this is all real, this whole matrix, this whole illusion, this hedonistic, corrupt, moral, depraved pleasure. You think it's all real? That's the Makos. One by one, Hashem is ripping it up, tearing it into further pieces, ten different little pieces. And He was destroying it in order to say, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do this often. But every once in a while, I want you to see that this thing called nature, science, chemistry, biology, physics, all which we endorse and believe in studying, the Rambam writes, that's how we learn about Hashem, through nature. But the nature is not an entity on its own. There is no, there's nature and there's God. The Ramban says there's no such thing as nature. It's Hashem expressing, revealing Himself. So when you learn biology and chemistry and physics, what are you learning about? Hashem. You're not learning about nature. You're learning about Hashem. So, He tears it up. He's forcing us to look at the, at the panemius, at the authentic, at the genuine, at what's real, at what's inside, what you can't see with your eyes, but is even more true than the optical illusion. And that's how we destroy the klipa. You, how do you get rid of dark? You walk into a dark room. How do you get rid of the darkness? Turn on the, did you get rid of darkness? You didn't do anything to the dark. But when you turn on a light, Mamela, automatically, there is no dark. You didn't get rid of dark. You didn't destroy dark. You didn't put the dark back in the bottle, back in the canister. You didn't eliminate the dark or collect the dark and put it in the garbage. How do you get rid of dark? Not actually by getting rid of dark. You don't get rid of dark. But when there's light, there's no dark. How do you get rid of klipa? How do you get rid of the illusion, the matrix, the counterfeit? 
by experiencing the real. When you let in the light of Hashem, when you experience the authentic and the real of Hashem, so Mamela, there is no dark, there is no klipa. When you're living a life of connection, life of love, a life of surrender, a life of faith, a life of equanimity, so Mamela, there is no narishkeit, silliness, panic, fear. It disappears, just like the light, the dark disappears because there's light, the klipa disappears because there's kedusha, because there's truth. And what was the conclusion and the result of the curriculum called the Makos? Now the Mitzrayim look up and they say, Hashem Elokim. We thought there was something called nature. We thought there was something called the Nile. But it turns out all there really is, is Hashem Elokim. And then the Jewish people got out, to become the people, the treasured people we are. In order to reveal and to publicize and to clarify, this superficial material illusion world, it's not real. It's, it's a modern optical illusion. And we'll know that when our soul is extracted from our body and we go live eternity with Him and we leave all that illusion behind. Now the illusion has a role. It gives us free will. It lets us express choice. It has meaning and purpose. It becomes the instrument through which we can express ourselves and make choices, our free will. But in and itself, I mean, the closest we can come, we, we confuse this, Rabbi Nachman writes, like, like clothing. Would you ever conclude, confuse your clothing with yourself? Would you treat your clothing, your clothing is not your body, it's not you, it's your clothing. Does that mean clothing is worthless? No, clothing has a purpose. Keeps you modest, keeps you dressed, protects you from the elements, it reflects an appearance and values. Clothing has a very important purpose, but clothing in the end of the day is clothing. It's dispensable. You can get rid of it. You should get rid of it. It's not something that we worship or elevate or invest too much in and certainly are never defined by because it's just clothing. So this whole world is the lavush. The whole world, the physical world, is the clothing, the wardrobe of the light of the reality which is Hashem. And it has a purpose and it has meaning and we use it. It has utility and function. But just like we would never confuse our clothing with ourselves, we know that we're not taking our clothing with us. We wouldn't, shouldn't want to give up our kidney to have an extra piece of clothing. We'd never confuse our clothing with ourselves. This world is the lavush, the garment of the light that is the truth, that is Hashem. And, and we, the makos, Hashem did the makos for us to see it. And now we need to liberate ourselves from it. Last paragraph. So while we're reading and living, we are reinvigorating and reawakening and re-energizing these ideas always anew. And Davka in this time, it's a very auspicious time, the energy of this time is such that we can draw the strength. We can give our own makos to the teva in our life. We bring the ten plagues. I don't mean literally the ten plagues, but it means like God struck Mitzrayim, we can strike down the illusion, the confusion of the matrix in our lives and to liberate ourselves and free ourselves and unshackle ourselves. This is the time of year that 
delete social media from your phone, cut down your screen time, cut down your Starbucks visits, cut down whatever in your life that you're doing compulsively that is incompatible with who you want to be, this is when we can liberate ourselves from that Mitzrayim. We have that energy. This is the time that carries that. It's auspicious for it. Defeat the Amalek, the Koach HaChilol. Defeat the voice of randomness and chance and happenstance and lean into and turn up the volume on the Koach HaHilol. That Hashem is amazing and everything is awesome and I'm going to live a life of equanimity. I'm not panicked and I'm not anxious and I'm not filled with drama and highs and lows. I'm just, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, we're going to get through it. Whatever it is, we're going to experience it. Whatever it is, it's all from above. And whatever it is, therefore, it's all by design. This is the time that we have that power, Mirza Hashem, to free ourselves, to free ourselves from that place called Mitzrayim, to overcome it, to realize there's something so much bigger. There's something that's happening that's so much more real. There's something that's going on. There's something so much more. There's a pnimius. There's an essence. There's something that's going on that we need to access. And when we do, oh, we'll be living on a whole other level. Be living a whole other level, and that whole other level, you'll be living a whole other life. It's the best life. The Amalek people are miserable. Look around this world. I'm the luckiest person because I'm teaching something that is not only true, it, to me, it's now so obvious. And it's so enriching and it's so empowering. And I'm trying so hard to live it myself. But you look around at a world that think that the physical, the material, the superficial, the surface, that's what's real. And the more they have of it, the more unhappy they are. I, 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 it would be interesting to try to correlate the Forbes 400 with their medicine cabinet. <laughs> I'd be really curious to correlate it. Who would do that study? The more money you have, do you have more happiness? Do you have more inner peace and tranquility? Do you have better relationships? Or perhaps is it the opposite? It doesn't have to be the opposite. You could have a lot of money and have all of that if you understand the role and the place of money. But if all along you thought that money or fame or friends or followers or influence would bring you happiness, and then you have it all and you're still not happy, then your medicine cabinet becomes full. Hopefully of prescribed medications, sadly often of non-prescribed. But if you realize what really brings fulfillment and meaning and peace and tranquility and serenity and happiness, then you also still want money, don't get me wrong but you understand its role and its place and its purpose, and you'll never confuse it with what being the thing that's gonna give you happiness. So it's not just that we're sharing something which is true. You just, I wanna scream it from the rooftop. You want the whole world to have it and to live it because it's another life altogether. It's another life altogether to live it and feel it. That whatever comes our way, we live it with this equanimity. We can live it with this tranquility. We can be happy and sing and dance and we'll be sad and we'll, we'll cry when something hurts and feel pain. But behind and driving it all is this sense that we're free from Mitzrayim. We don't live that surface superficial life. We don't feel that things are caving in. We're not confusing that nature has its own entity, existence, or power. We're living in this connection of Hashem. We should live it. We should merit to live it. We should see Hashem everywhere. And we should see the hand of Hashem bring besoros tovos for Am Yisrael. Amen.